Well, you guys are in for a treat because one of the little ones handed me her bulletin. It says on here, to Pastor Jeff, what you said today, I understood more than any other time that I've been here. You're the best pastor. So I made sense today, okay? So those of you who said don't make sense, today is your day that I will make sense to you. Because she understood me better than any other time that she's been here at Grace Chapel. That's the best compliment you can get. All right. Last week, uh, I received a note, another note. You guys are into writing notes. On an offering envelope that said this. I have carried this bill, this one bill for luck for a long time. I don't need luck. I need God, exclamation point. Thanks for touching my life. And uh, I say amen to that. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11, Paul agrees with this. Paul agrees with what he said. But whatever is to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Grace Chapel is a global community of Christ followers, awakening imagination, igniting passion, and unleashing purpose. That is a risky vision if you break it down. If you break that vision down, it's a risky vision. It, it calls us to action, and it will not allow for stagnation. It will aggressively stop stagnation wherever it is in our church's history. There will never be a time if that continues to be the vision of this church after you and I are long gone where that vision will not stand against stagnation within the church and call us to action. So many churches, when they start out, begin well. They do. They, they begin really well. They, 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 they have a passion. They have a heart. There's something about them. They have a desire to impact the world and, and change lives. What starts out as an adventure, though, becomes stale. It becomes routine. What starts out as something that was risky becomes routine. And, and you, get, you get the fear of change and business as usual beginning to creep in. It just becomes rote over time. People going through the motions over time. Instead of awakening and igniting and unleashing words like fear, words like stagnation, words like predictability, comfort, convenience begin to take over in the church's vocabulary to describe the church. And when that happens, the church becomes irrelevant, and then it dies. When that happens, the church becomes irrelevant, and it's dead while it's still alive, if you, if, if you understand what I'm saying. The church doors may be open, people may be coming in, but it's dead inside. It's just, it, it, there's, there's no life to it. There's no passion to it. So it's dead while it's still alive. That's what happens as a church loses its passion and loses its heart and loses its reason for existence. Most churches, if you think about it, have, a, have similar programs going on. They do. They have similar programs. 
Most churches have outreach to the community. Most churches have missions overseas and people who are missionaries. Most churches have those things, but something happens. Many, many lose the, the purpose for the effort. They lose the purpose behind the effort, and the effort itself becomes the purpose. You know, that, that is just kind of going through the motions, if you will. They do it because they've always done it. We've always had a missionary in Africa. We've always had missionaries over here. We've always done this. Since I was a little girl, and the person could be, you know, 60, 70 years old, we've always had someone, and we, that's why we do it, because we've always done it. It's, the effort becomes the purpose, because every church does it. And so you have a Wednesday night meeting. You invite the missionary to come, and they show slides or whatever now. They have their videos, and everybody kind of falls asleep, you know. Remember those times? Those churches where you just kind of go through, you're going through the motions. Let me tell you, here's what we've done for the last six years since we've seen you last. And they talk about things and everybody just kind of falls asleep. Risk-taking churches are different. They're different. They challenge their people to walk out into the unknown. They challenge their people to live changed lives, not just meet needs. They're not just going through the motions. There's a difference between changing lives, seeing lives transformed, and just kind of meeting needs. All churches meet needs of one kind or another, but the desire to see people's lives change, to meet their needs at the deepest level, that's what risky churches do. Risk-taking offers the possibility of failure and resistance and, and, and discomfort and sacrifice. It, it pushes us out of our comfort zone. Risk-taking pushes you and I out of our comfort zones beyond the circle of relationships and activities that usually define our walk with Jesus Christ. For so many of you, you are new to the Christian walk. And you come into church and right now there's, a, there's an enthusiasm, there's an excitement, there's a passion for Christ. You have a desire to, to become more like him. You want, you, you're breaking out of your old self and you're leaving that behind. You're in this new walk with Christ and you're excited about it. But sometimes what happens in a church is everybody kind of slips right into the to comfort zone. And so you slide right into the comfort zone with everybody else and that passion that you once had you, as, you, as you read your Bible and you, you read about those who stepped out in faith and were doing amazing things, it kind of gets watered down by all those around you who are just kind of going through the motions, kind of sliding through the motions. Our, our love for Jesus Christ and our love for others needs to continue to be our driving force. It needs to continue to be the driving force behind our church. Following Jesus Christ should be our passion. It shouldn't be just words that we use. It should be what's in our hearts. It should be our passion. We want to be more like Jesus Christ each and every day. And with that, we bring then love and mercy and grace and compassion. And we offer those, the forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ. We offer those things to those who are in greatest need. We offer those things to, we care for those who are hurting. We invest in the lives of those who have the least. We offer a, 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 a hand up, not a hand out, to people who don't so desperately need it. Risk takers see their money as something that God can use to change lives and further the kingdom of God, to further the cause of Jesus Christ. Their, their church is a place that develops radical disciples for Jesus Christ. Okay, I said it, radical disciples for Jesus Christ. 
who are willing then to go out into the world and fight injustice and poverty and fear and loneliness. People who are willing to get involved in other people's lives, they see something that's wrong and they engage. They take up their cross. They stand in the way of whatever is harming those who cannot defend themselves. They are more interested. You know, here, this is so, those who are a risk takers, a risk taking church is more interested in their, in their sending capacity, in their challenging capacity, than they are their seating capacity. They want to see lives change. They want to see people grow. They want to see the world become a different place. Risk-taking churches do not whine, and they don't complain that someone should do something. They don't sit around and just point and say, someone should do something about this. They, they challenge their members to take action, to get involved, to have an impact. If there's something that needs to be done, why isn't the church doing it? If it's that important to us, and we're that passionate about it, that something should be done, a risk-taking church says, if something needs to be done, I'm the one who needs to do it. The call to follow Jesus Christ, my friends, is a call to take risks. And I am not talking about, let's lay this aside right now, I'm not talking about taking dopey risks. I'm not talking about taking stupid risks. I'm not talking about just doing things to be a risk taker because we all need to be risk takers. Let's be, let's be risky with our, with our money. Let's be risky with all these things without any thought behind it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about taking risks for Jesus Christ, stepping out and sharing the love of God with something, someone, reaching out to someone who's in need and sacrificing of yourself, taking a risk with your finances because you're giving to something where you see something that needs to be accomplished and you're willing to financially support that at the risk of yourself and what that may cost you in the long run financially. Those are the kinds of risks we're talking about. So lay aside the whole idea that, oh, I'm, not more, I'm, a, I'm, more, of a, I'm more of a conservative person. I'm not much of a risk taker, okay? That's, I'm not really talking about that. I'm talking about taking risks for Jesus Christ. Conservative, more conservative people can take risks for Jesus Christ doesn't matter what your personality is. We're talking about being risk takers for Jesus Christ. We're talking about stepping out for Jesus Christ. Paul said it. He said it well. He said, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I'm willing to lose it all for the sake of Christ. Christ is everything. He's not just something. It's not just a part of your life. He is your life as a believer. He is your life. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Again, Paul explains it clearly. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 28, he says, Are they servants of Christ? He says, I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I'm more. I've worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been, flogged sev uh, I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I've received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once, with, with, with stone, uh, once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger fr from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and been often gone 
without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Serving God was Paul's life. It was his life. That was his life. The disciples, the early disciples, they gave everything for their relationship with Christ. There is no difference between being a disciple of Jesus Christ then and now when it comes to risk-taking, when it comes to God's attitude on how we should live for him. He didn't water down the gospel 2,000 years later. He didn't make it easier for us 2,000 years later. He's not rewriting the word of God so that you and I can feel more comfortable 2,000 years later. These are the people who live for Jesus Christ. What is the difference between those people and us when it comes to the word of God and what the word of God says 2,000 years later? There's no difference. The expectation that God has for us is the same as he had for those who followed him 2,000 years ago. That, that is the expectation that God has. Serving God was Paul's life. Serving God, serving Jesus Christ was the very existence of the disciples. Compare that to our modern church now. Compare that to our modern church. Today we often beg people to serve with the understanding there's an understanding that it won't take much time or effort. We have to beg people to, to, to serve within the church. We have to beg people to get involved in the things of God. And we have to tell them. We have to make sure they understand it won't take much time or effort. You know, I, I, I want you to, but just make, I, I know, it won't, it won't interfere with what's really important, I promise. Imagine, imagine for me, if you will, your coach or your teacher telling you that. Close your eyes with me, if you will, for a moment. And those of you who have ever had a coach before, close your eyes. And I want you to picture your coach in your mind. Don't get upset, okay? It's a long time ago, okay? Picture that coach. And I want you to picture your coach saying, I want you to be on this team. But listen, it won't take much time or effort on your part. It won't take much time or effort. Is that what they said? That's not what your coach said. Your coach said everyone runs until the last person pukes, okay? You don't stop running until everyone throws up, right? That's what they said. They get in, they scream, they yell, give me more effort, give me more effort, give me more effort. I want your time, I want your effort, I want it all, I want everything you have. Don't leave anything, it, leave it all on the field, leave it all on the field. I mean, you never heard a coach say, be on our team, but it won't make much time, it won't take too much time or effort. Imagine your teacher, ah, you know, don't worry about getting to that university, it won't take much, too much time or effort. You'll get in, Cornell, come on. Wherever you go, Cedar, ah, Cedar, it won't take much time or effort to get into that school. Does it matter? I mean, what coach or teacher have you ever heard that says it won't make take too much time or effort? And if it won't take too much time or effort or sacrifice, then why do it? Why do it? Why be involved in something that doesn't really matter, doesn't take too much time, doesn't take too much effort? Why should we even do it? You know, I know I'm not going to win a lot of brownie points with some folks, and I know I'm not going to win brownie points with the church growth movement kind of people, but the reality is, uh, I'm sorry, but if you're a member of Grace Chapel, you will serve. It, it's, it's you, you signed that you will. It's not just, and I say this with a smile on my face, I love you. I'm not, you know, I love you. But if you're a member here, you will serve. 20% of the people will not do 80% of the work at Grace Chapel. It won't happen. We are called of God to serve, be servants of Jesus Christ. We are called of God to give of ourselves, to sacrifice of ourselves. Being a member of Grace Chapel entitles you. It entitles you, because we're really important that we get entitlements, you know. It entitles you to take action. 
Being a member here, being a servant here will entitle you to take action. If you're here for the first time, you're wondering, gosh, what do you have to offer me? Our church has, this is what we have to offer you. We offer you the challenge of a life of relentless passion. That's what we offer. We offer you the opportunity to come alongside some brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ and try to change the world, impact this world, sacrificing for people all around the world to try to make a difference where when you're old and you're laying in your deathbed, you won't be saying woulda, shoulda, coulda. You'll look back on a life without regret. That's what Grace Chapel has to offer. I promise. I promise. That's what we offer. Now, we got programs for youth and children and all those kinds of things, but hopefully in those programs, I know that's happening, they're hearing the same thing. We offer, we want to offer all kinds of things to people, but really, I mean, my, my teacher in Nyack, my professor would say, you know, what you win people with is what you win them to. I'd love to candy coat everything and tell you how wonderful and easy it's going to be to be a member here at Grace Chapel. No, that's not true. So I tell you that and I'll bait and switch you because you know if you've been here long enough, you know that I, I don't want to run people into the ground, but I certainly want to make sure that we're all serving the Lord and growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Or why have church? Why be, why be a part of a church if you're not asked to stand up and make a difference for Jesus Christ? You know, it, that to me, I mean, I, when you invite people to church, do you really think people want to come to a church where they're not really doing anything? They're not really reaching out to their community. They're not really feeding people in their community. They're not really helping educate or helping edu- people overseas. Or Is that really what you think people want to be part of church? People come to church who don't know Jesus Christ. They want to be a part of something that's different, that's exciting, that's dynamic, that's bigger than themselves. They want to make a difference. They're out in the world and they're saying, what is my purpose for existence? What is the meaning of life? Then they come to church, do you really think they want to come in here and go through some rituals and do some things and then just leave? No, they want to hear that we can make a difference in the world, that Jesus Christ can make a difference in their lives. Why are we so stinking afraid to tell people that the, the ministry is an adventure, that, it, that it's, it's, it's risk-taking, it takes some risk. It's going to be a challenge. It's going to involve some sacrifice. Why are we so afraid to tell people the truth? Jesus said, if you don't suffer with me, you won't reign with me. There are things that we are going to go through, but it'll be worthwhile. The Christian life is the greatest life that you can possibly live. It is worth every bit of what you will go through. The difficulty, because I'll tell you something, you're going to go through difficulty anyway. You're going to go through trials and stresses anyway in life. The reality is, at least with Jesus Christ, there's meaning and purpose behind what you go through. And he allows you, he helps you. He brings beauty out of the ashes. Jesus Christ will always be there. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And everything you go through, if, you, if you're with me, everything you go through has meaning and purpose. I will bring good out of whatever you go through in your life because I am in control of all things. If we want to awaken imagination, ignite passion, and unleash purpose, we need to expect more, not less. We need to expect more commitment, not, not less. We, don't ex- we, don't, we, we shouldn't expect our members to, to live a life of mediocrity. We shouldn't expect mediocrity amongst the, amongst the members of our church. I don't expect that from any one of you because you are created in the image of God and you have so much to offer. We find our purpose and we, we feel the pleasure of God when we see lives transformed through the power of Jesus Christ. 
That's where we see it happening. You know, we need to raise money. We need to build teams. We need to invest in volunteers. We need to, we need to send our people out into the world for a little hands-on, face-to-face encounter with other people. Hey, teach and apply. I teach and you apply. I teach you things and we apply it. That's what we need to do as a church. We need to be involved in people's lives. I'll tell you, I would rather serve Jesus, sacrifice for Jesus with a hundred of you than play church with a thousand. I really would. You know my heart. I really, really would. I would rather have a hundred warriors. I would rather have a hundred people who didn't get so, somehow we got tame in the church. Somehow we've lost the ability to, to, to get a little aggressive and say, this is what God has called me to do. I mean, the, the, when did we become so tame? And I would rather work with a hundred warriors who are willing to step out in faith and live their lives for Jesus Christ than a thousand people want to play church. If you're not connected here at Grace Chapel, if you're not connected, if you have a pen, get a pen out. If you're not connected and you want to be connected, I want to connect you to this church. I want, you to be ser- I want to serve you, and I want you to serve. If you're not connected, I want you to call me this week. My cell phone number is 513-403-9964. The office number is 754-0333. My email address is jeffgreer at grace-chapel.com. You can text me. You can, I don't know, if you, can you Twitter me, that kind of stuff? You can Twitter. I don't care what you do. You can reach me by ear, whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? Whatever, however, whatever, however you want to reach me, you know what I mean? Try to reach me because I want to make sure that every single person here gets plugged in, that your life has meaning and purpose within the, this body of Christ, that you feel connected. I need to invest in you and the other staff need to invest in you and those leaders need to invest in you so that you can go out and invest in the lives of other people. I want to see that happen. I don't want anyone coming in and going out not feeling connected to the church. I've just given you all of my information. You can call me. You can text me. You can email me. You can reach me any way you want this week, next week, whatever it is and I will try my best to get you connected to this body. There's a difference between serving God because it feels good and serving God because it's your purpose in existence. And that's what it is. It's your purpose. And somehow we're missing that. If something is important to us, you know what? We will give our time, our talents, and our treasures to make it happen. We will do to, to further the kingdom of God. We will give all of that. We have a church that has a legacy of risk takers. We really do. Over 10 years, we have people who have stepped out and t- taken amazing risks. We have people who have been willing to go over overseas in Africa and invest their lives there. When we have people who are willing to, to stay right here at home and invest their lives here. Missionaries in both places. Emily, you're here, right? I won't make you say anything, but Emily, are you back there? Get the, Emily's here. Uh, she's back from, from Nigeria, so make sure you connect with her afterward. They were willing to step out of this church and go to Africa, and I'm telling you, Josh, Nigeria is not too safe right now. It's a dangerous place, but they're there. They're serving. They're investing. They're giving their lives to help those in need. There are people in this church right here at home who are sacrificing and giving their lives to reach out to people who are in need. For, for others, my friends, we need to be doing the same thing. We're, we're, not, we're not called all to take the same kind of risks. We're all not all called to be the same kind of risk takers or to experience the same adventures because that's what the Christian life is. The Christian life is an adventure. It is an adventure for each one of us. Some are called to support missionaries on the field financially, to be prayer warriors, to be encouragers, to lift those people up. 
But each of us has been called by God to step out of our comfort zone to further the cause of Jesus Christ. There, is, there are no exceptions. There are no exceptions. Where are you in that mix? We are a global community of Christ followers, awakening imagination, igniting passion, and unleashing purpose. And Scott Smith is a great example of this. And I asked him to come this morning and share with you how God has awakened his imagination through Grace Chapel. Thanks, Jeff. Good morning, everybody. I'm going to stand back here because we had some feedback in the front this morning. I do have to tell my good friend, Ed Hackney, who I think has left the building after the first service. Ed has a great way of encouraging you. If you I've known him for 25 years. He said, nice try. When you spoke so long, I think we needed an intermission. So I'm going to try to cut it shorter today, but we'll see what happens. We're talking about taking risks. Jeff asked me to go through kind of the history of what's been going on with a little initiative I had. Uh, my name's Scott Smith. Uh, my family uh, has been here since the beginning of Grace Chapel and have been part of that. I've got a wife, Sonia, here who's a great supporter of mine, and Samantha as a junior at Loveland. I see Sally sitting here. She's great with child, very soon. Uh, two other daughters, one here, uh, Jackie Housh and uh, Sarah attend uh, somewhere else. But years ago, I was challenged by this wall in the back. If you guys don't know what this is, this is a concept that Jeff came out with in 2003, 2004 called SWAP, Sacrificing with a Purpose. It's very simple. You take something back there, it's normally $25, $30, whatever it might be, and you want to sacrifice your Starbucks for the week, a dinner out, a pair of shoes, a dress, what might it be. Instead of buying that, you're going to take that and you're going to give that money for that cause. And we've raised, I think, over $200,000 in the history of the church through this program. So it's a great program. So what I, what I really felt called to do uh, back years ago was automate that. That's nice. It's in Grace Chapel. There's a couple other people who are using other churches. But it could be so much more if we could get it out to, to a variety of different people. So I was working on that. So um, sometimes I sing with a praise team up here. I'm also uh, an elder of the church now as well. So going back in history, I really have to go back about 15 years uh, to talk about this. And I'll step back just a minute. This needs first concept. What it really is trying to do is shorten the distance between Emily and you guys. All right. There have been times that I know when Jeff has gone to Africa and we've come back, and we found, okay, there's a child that needs an operation, $75. We'll get the money. We'll send it down. Two weeks will pass, and the child will have passed away. That is, that is wrong. That is wrong. I hear these stories. I see these things. I've been there twice. It's really challenged me to try to say, what, you know, what could I do to be able to help make that happen? And that's really what this is about. It's a social network for giving. It's like a Facebook for missionaries. So far, there's not anything like it out right now. It's going to be and a beta testing just a couple weeks with a few organizations, and then shortly in the summertime, we'll be turning it on to the rest of the world. All right, so I have to go back actually 15 years. In 1995, I was at the end of seven years of some fast growth. I had worked for some uh, software companies, and they went from $100 million to a billion in three years and one in five years. And if any of you ever done that, that is a ra rat race. It's what have you done for me lately? If you don't perform, you're fired. There's a lot of stress involved with that. There's a lot of reward involved with that. I find myself 38 years old. My house is paid off. We had a big house. We had lots of physical things that make you feel warm and fuzzy. But I was having, in, in the men's world, what's called a halftime moment, where you want to look at your life. You're now you know, almost 40 years old. What have you done? What will you do with the second half of your life? And I, I left uh, work uh, for a year and a half, and I started doing some work on the Internet. I was d designing software 
for churches and ministries to be able to put themselves up on the Internet. 1995, the Christian community had not embraced the Internet at all. I used the words, it was, they thought it was voodoo. It was all bad. So I had to shut that company down, kind of get back into the workforce and start up another company with some people. was able to do that. And in 2001, uh, I was able to go to Nigeria for the first time on the first trip. And that came by accident. I didn't really have the finances to go. A gentleman had been scheduled to go from the congregation here and at the last minute could not, and he gave me his ticket. What a life-changing thing that was for me for that to be able to happen, and that was a God thing definitely. So I saw the need that was there. All of us came back, and we started this thing called Self-Sustaining Enterprises, which you know what it is. So the, the beginning years of self-sustaining enterprises were not too glamorous. I mean, we couldn't raise a dime to save our lives for what we were trying to do. We had grandiose plans. We were given land. We wanted to do food processing. We wanted to build a school, all kinds of things. We ended up having to take tiny steps like swap in the back, hundreds of thousands of dollars now, two families from back to back there, other folks supporting that, dozens and dozens of people going uh, a year and a lot of lives being changed through that practice. I had uh, left a startup that I had done. I had started another company, and 9-11 came along during that same time frame. Uh, business was horrible. We had to shut that company down. So after all this great success, I found myself in my life with two semi-failures um, that were not very comforting. I volunteered to the SEC board. I said, I'll automate the swap. We'll make this happen. And I trekked on with trying to do that. And for me, this is just a, this is a life-changing event. I could not, to save my life, make it happen. I'd always been able, since the history of the microcomputer, the Apple computer, the first one that came out, I bought it, I worked on it, I did programming. I did the same thing on a PC for years and years and years, I did that. I bought a 500-page book like I normally do. I read it, and I could not write this stuff to save my life. It was just new. It was, I couldn't do it. And looking back on that in 2005, I, I can see that really I wasn't ready. I really was not in a good uh, spot <coughs> in my mindset, uh, spiritually. Economically, I wasn't really in a good place. And, you know, I'm now 48 years old at that time trying to think, you know, is this it for me creatively? Am I done? I remember having that conversation with my wife. That was the most traumatic part for me, saying I have all this desire to do things, but I don't know what's going to happen. So I had some time of depression, some boredom, and I was not a nice person to be around some of the time during that time. I find myself having to attend Christian counseling. As hard as it is to say, I highly recommend it, all right? I'll be known to all of us, we don't have all the answers ourselves all the time. All right? We can't fix everything ourselves all the time. I had to learn a couple lessons for myself. The major things I had to learn is that just I'm not defined by what I do. All my life on these fast growth companies and things I was doing, yes, I had a great wife and a great family, you know, a loving family, but I was really trying to measure myself on what I was doing and what I was trying to achieve, and I had to get rid of that. I also had to be willing as a man, very difficult, to let things go. Don't be in control all the time. It's still a lesson that I deal with here all the time in my life right now. So I tried to get my act together. Things started to turn around. SSE started to take off. Brian Hitchcock had gone full-time, uh, and he was here at the first service and was working on that. We started having some great successes. Jeff was driving things home. Chuck Proudfoot, who was here at the first service, to start out work on purpose. We saw some great results. I still had this in my heart that I wanted to do this. So I remember clear as I'm standing here today, one day for me, I got the call. I'll say the word call because that's what it was. The alarm clock went off and said it's time to get up and to make this happen. And I remember calling Jeff and Brian and Will Housh, my son-in-law was working with me at the time, 
we went to Panera up in Mason, and we got together, and I said, I really am called to do this. I want to make this happen. I'm going to do it. I want to fund this thing. I don't know how I'm going to do that because I didn't want to put a burden on SSC or on Grace Chapel. And I remember leaving that meeting thinking to myself, what on earth have you done? <laughs> Are you out of your mind? Because I, had, I didn't want to put my family through this again. I didn't want to have a disappointment. I didn't want to spend other people's money. I didn't want to have a failure, but yet this need was so great I couldn't deny it. I had, to, I had to step forward. So I took the risk, as Jeff said. This is all about risk today. And I took the risk, and I was able to do that. So I picked up that same book, 500 pages, and magically I was able to prototype this entire system that you're seeing. Three years and 3,600 hours of work later, we're still working on this. In a couple weeks, we're going to be ready. So it has really, really been a journey. It has really been a journey. In 2007, social networking was taking off, and we had this idea in 2005. Nobody even knew what that was. Well, we, we started thinking about the swap, and we prototyped some things. I'm thinking, will this really be successful if it's just Grace Chapel? We'll automate what's on the wall, but really will it fix the needs of all the things that are all over the world that the missionaries have? I ran across a quote, uh, some research. There's 4,300 missionary organizations, 443,000 missionaries. That's a lot. And there's over 705 million uh, Christians that call themselves believers of mission activities of the Great Commission to go out and spread the gospel. So I saw that quote, and I said, there has to be a need for this. If only 25% of, of missionaries in the world would use something like this to facilitate their blogs and their newsletters and their needs and, and communicating with their, their supporters. And each one had 100 supporters that logged in twice a month. This would be the 10th busiest website in the world. And it's not hard to, to imagine that. I mean, Little Grace Chapel, Swap Wall, going to something that hundreds of thousands or even millions of people can use. It sounds silly, but it's not silly. It can be done. So as I mentioned, a lot of hours, a lot of time, I said in the first service, if I knew it was going to take this long, I may have never started this. I'll be honest with you. It's been a commitment like I've never seen before. So a few lessons that I've learned. Um, I grew up with brothers and sisters, and I know we had a lot of this. I'm not the boss of me. Anybody ever said that? You're not the boss of me. Guess what? I'm not the boss of me. I've had to learn that. I've had to give that up. This the I've had to let the Lord be able to change me and to be able to work in my life. The other thing that Jeff had spoke about even this morning, that our, you know, our time is not God's time. We're in the mode of you know, instant on, on-demand movies. You've got your Blackberries, your iPod. Probably everybody in this room has one. You're used to this, this, this. It would have been nice if somebody dropped a million dollars on this and I hired a whole bunch of people and I got an office and in three months I'm done and rocking and rolling, but that's not the journey. It, it didn't happen. So I've had to be able to trust in God. I mean, the Bible is not a short story. Even Paul, we mentioned this morning, Paul was in prison. Paul was beaten. Paul had to quit his ministry and build tents for a while to raise money to support himself. I mean, these are things that may be required of you. And these are things that God would want you to try to evaluate in your life. I mean, Israel was in the desert for 40 years. It didn't happen overnight. The book's only this thick, folks, but it's thousands of years long of history. The other thing that I had to learn uh, kind of the hard way, too, is what does it really mean? We talked about this this morning. Take up your cross and follow me. What does that really mean to you? And I, I, I think back, how could I explain it? You know, if I could draw cartoons and they have caricatures or whatever, I draw a picture of myself, and maybe some of us would be like this. The Lord calls you, and he says, I'm ready for you. Come on, make it happen. And I take up my cross, and I'm following him, and I'm carrying it. But guess what? I'm carrying all my other stuff with me. 
I got my house with me. I got my three cars. I got my antique car with me. I got everything with me. And I'm saying, I'm coming, you know, don't, don't give up, <laughs> I'm coming. Some of that stuff has had to go bye-bye. We have a smaller house. I said in the first service, my antique car is now in heaven. I gave it up to fund a month of development. I don't say these things privately. I'm just saying these are, and it doesn't matter. These are things that may be required of you, and it's part of the journey. God's testing, and God wants to know. I call you. Are you serious about this? Can I rely on you? Can I trust on you? And some of these things, it'll be different for each of us, but some of these things may be things that we've got to go on. So go on faith, go on faith, go on faith. The other lessons that we learn is, you know, maybe a thousand times in ten years here, Jeff has talked about widows and orphans and taking care of the least of these. What does that really mean? It's just not words. I mean, it requires an action. We're required to do something. It might be as simple as taking care of something on the back wall, writing letters of encouragement to our missionaries, whatever it might be, or it might be something like I'm talking about here. I want to challenge each of you to really look in your hearts and to say, what can I do as small as it may be or as big as it may be to give in, to step out of our comfort zone to be able to address these things? You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I think that's my life verse that was in the first Bible that my mom and dad gave me when I was eight years old. I really had to try to figure out, did I really know what that meant? you got to believe it. You really, really have to believe it. I mean, there are days where I want to give up. There are weeks where I call people and say, I don't know how I'm going to pay for Saturday when i got to pay these programmers $3,000. I mean, there are ways that, there, and there are things that have happened that, have really allowed me to trust in God, and I'm just thankful for that journey because that is part of the journey. He's brought encouragement. One of the things I didn't talk about in the first service, you know, you build this stuff, you don't think anybody's going to use it. When I went to Nigeria with Brian Hitchcock in September, in November, this past November, I got onto Google before I went out, and I guess Google mission, Jaws Mission at Christian Missionaries Nigeria. And I got the first page, and I guess emailed out to these folks. They didn't know who I was, and I said, I'm coming to town. I want to hold an event in the, at, in the evening at the school. Please come and listen to me. And I did this thing, and it was nothing really worked real well. The presentation wasn't really polished. At the end of it, 11 missionaries said, we've been dying for this. We need this. It was embarrassing. They were taking pictures. They were coming up and taking pictures with their arms around me. Just They, they can't wait. They're hungry for these kinds of things. They feel neglected. They don't feel close. I mean, we've been supporting missionary families for 25 years. Our family has. And I know a lot of them, you know, I love them. But my checks, you know, automatically mailed on my checking account. I get a newsletter once a month, once a quarter. I'm not really connected to them. We're trying to fix that. We're trying to break down the barriers to build uh, a closeness, an intimacy, and an involvement between the missionary and their supporters. That's really what this is about. So let it happen. Don't get in the way. And don't try to control the process. A lot of stuff still has to happen. For me, I think that the journey may be the most part. I may be the most important part. When I get to the end of this thing, it may come up, up to a couple things. It may be greatly successful. It may fall on its face. I have to be all right with that. I will be, I will be very happy if I get done with this and I deliver it and I turn it over to the Lord and I said, and he says, good and faithful servant. And he says, thank you. And he says, sit down. And somebody else is now going to take this. I don't know. That will be hard for me, but that will be something that I will deal with. And I pray that I'll be ready for that. That is part of the journey. That is part of the calling of God to completely rely on him and to trust in him. The other thing I've had to learn to do is to just humble myself. You know, as a man, you want to try to do it all. We talked about that. I've taken money from people in the past for businesses. Some has been good. Some have been bad. It's always good when it's good and it's not 
good when it's bad. You take friends and family's money and you spend it and it goes bye-bye. That is not a fun thing. That is a painful thing that just eats and eats and eats. That's maybe the biggest thing I had to deal with when I decided I was going to try to take on this three-year venture now is could I humble myself to take money from people yet again, knowing in the past that there's been some failure there. So that's been a risk. That's part of the risk. That's part of the journey. So yet in, in developing that, that trust and that faith, I know for a fact that there have been other men that have come up to me when they've heard this story of what we're trying to do, and they said, you know what, I'm not going to quit my job. I'm not called to do that, but I want my company to be into more of the business-related types of things where they're working their whole life, they're building something, but they really want to give back to the community. And some of them have been able to give back to this and come alongside this as an initiative. I didn't want to, if I would have said no to that and had prideful and said, I'm going to try to fund this all myself, I would have robbed them of their joy and of uh, what God was trying to do in their life. So as you go through these things, embrace your friends, all right, and keep your eyes open and, and let it happen. And that's, uh, you know, we, we're going to ask for prayer on this thing, if you would. I mean, in the weeks to come, we'll maybe introduce this more formally. We're going to ask you to sign on, get to know Emily and Jason a little bit better, get to know some of the needs that they might have, they might put in, some of the things we got going on with SSC and help us try to make it happen. So pray for the journey and pray for that, that it would see the light of day and pray that the Lord would use this thing to further the kingdom. Right, thank you. Not everyone's journey is going to be the same. Not everyone's risk is going to be the same. Not everyone's adventure is going to be the same. Some are called to go into politics. God bless you. Some are <laughs> business, education. Uh, it's not going to be the same, but the, all of those are to be done with us, all of us representing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior in those areas. It's going to look different for every single one of us. Everyone's call is different, but every single one of us will be called to go out on a limb, if you will, for Jesus Christ and make a difference in this world. And we need to encourage those who ha make that attempt, even if it doesn't always turn out the way you planned. I mean, Scott said that. He's tried some other things, didn't always turn out the way he's planned. We need to encourage each other when things don't turn out the way we plan. We need to encourage each other when we see someone stepping out in faith and doing something to come alongside of them and encourage them. We need to encourage creativity. We need to emphasize new ideas and embrace new ideas. We need to inspire the next generation with our entrepreneurial spirit here at the church. You don't have to be an entrepreneur, but just listening to God and following God. We need to encourage the next generation with our desire, our boldness, and our willing to sacrifice. We need to inspire the next generation coming behind us to be better than we are, to think broader than we do, to think of more wild and crazy ideas than we've ever thought of in our lives. We need to set that as an example for them to follow. In James 1.22, it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Are you ready for a new level of commitment? Are you ready to leave behind your life of mediocrity? Are you ready to pick up your cross daily and follow him regardless of the cost? Are you ready to, to, to move that mountain or pass through that sea or walk on the water or, 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 or face that giant or defy that king? Are you ready to take on the enemy in his own territory? Now, some people may be thinking, what are you talking about? 
What I've heard about our enemy, Satan is our enemy. And the Bible says that Satan's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. A roaring lion. How can we take on an enemy that powerful? Of all the miserable things that go on around the world and our enemy is behind it, how can I as an individual think of taking on something so aggressive, something so incredibly difficult? My friends, do you know what happens? I love this. I love this verse, and you write it down when I give it to you. You know what happens to uh, a roaring lion when it comes up against someone filled with the spirit of the living God? I do. In Judges chapter 14, verses 5 and 6, write that down somewhere and write it and, and underline your Bible when you get home. Judges 14, 5 and 6, Samson went down to Timnah together with his mother and father. As they approached the, vision, vision, the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. The spirit of the Lord came upon him in power so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. That's what happens to anyone or anything that gets in the way of a person who's been called of God and is filled with the spirit of the living God. Nothing can stand in your way. Nothing can stop you. Are you ready to live the adventure that we call the Christian life? Are you ready to live that adventure to step out in faith? It's our time, my friends, to lay aside our fears. It is time to lay aside our fears and live our lives with relentless passion. It is time for us to live beyond what we thought possible and to dream beyond what we thought safe. It is time for each one of us, each one of us to take a stand, to stand, to stand for Jesus Christ. Through Christ, you have the power to overcome, the power to risk, the power to love, to recapture your true self, to recapture your true self. See, it isn't gone. You've just misplaced it. Some of you have been through so many difficult things in your life. Even right now, you're going through so many difficult things, and somewhere along the way, you've lost your true self, the person that God created you to be. It isn't gone. You've just misplaced it. You've just been misplaced. But today could be your day to stand and say, Lord God, help me to work through those things. Help me to overcome those things so you can use me. Whatever you're going through right now, whatever you're going through, whatever you've gone through, whatever difficulty you're facing, whatever struggle is on the horizon for you, whatever it is, I want you to lay it at the cross. I want you to give it to him. Together, together as the body of Christ, coming together, working together, we can truly take a stand for Jesus Christ and make a difference in this world. And that's what I'd like you to do as we close. Stand up as we close. Grab the person's hand next to you, okay? It's a, it's a symbol of unity. Let's grab the person's hand next to you and think through, think through as God continues to work in our church and in our lives. All the things that you've faced allow God to move in you.